We brought you damn good beer, and now we're delivering to you damn good beef. Hassle Cattle Company is the absolute best source for farm-to-table Wagyu beef in the country. It's a fourth-generation cattle farm out of Texas, and they ship all over the United States and straight to your door. They call their beef the blue-collar Wagyu because it's the best damn Wagyu that every man or woman can afford. Uh, they offer smoked sausage, they offer New York strip, beef bacon, Wagyu Frank without any fillers, uh, two jerky flavors, uh, and they also have three flavors of Hassle Cattle meat sticks, original, sweet and spicy, and jalapeno cheese. These are perfect for a fast snack on the go. If you want to try any of these products, then you can go to HassleCattleCompany.com. That's H-A-S-S-E-L-L CattleCompany.com. Use promo code DMBR10 for 10% off your order. That's DMBR10 for 10% off. Uh, make sure you take advantage of that. They have so many awesome deals, some big bundle deals where they'll send you a big box of meat, um, a variety pack basically. Um, so make sure you get to HassleCattleCompany.com and use that code DMBR10 for 10% off your order. Legendary stuff. That is actually how we'll be celebrating our Valentine's with some nice hassle steaks. Uh, yeah, fellas, we are here. It feels like a long time because we recorded last week's show nice and early, recapping the Senior Bowl. And a gajillion different things have happened. The Chiefs have lost a Super Bowl. We've had new mock drafts drop, new rankings, uh, you know, more buzz. Uh, we've had Broncos moves as AJ Bouye was cut today, making the pick at nine uh, and the potential of that selection being at corner more and more likely. Uh, we've also had a big quarterback trade with Matthew Stafford going from Detroit to LA and Jared Goff going to the Lions, plenty to talk about this offseason, about how that'll impact uh, the Lions' priorities at quarterback. Carson Wentz now seems out of town. That's another team drafting ahead of the Broncos that could be in that quarterback market. There's a lot going on and a lot to get into. So, fellas, how are you doing? What's standing out to you? What do you all want to talk about? Just got to say, good job, Bucks. Mm, indeed. Good job, Bucks. Here's a question, just to jump right in. Do you feel any differently about Mac Jones after seeing Tom Brady do that again? That's been a big thought of mine over the past, I don't know, week and a half, basically since the Senior Bowl. Just, uh, I mean, it's just so hard for me to really put him over the four guys that are in front of him, but I just keep going back to, man, if Mac Jones does turn out, though, how many teams are going to be kicking themselves because – they just didn't want to draft a non-athletic quarterback and let this guy slide. Denver. Dan paging the Broncos. <laughs> I guess you we'll say. Into, like all of our Mac Jones thoughts in a little bit, but I don't know. The the that's probably the only thing you can pull from the Super Bowl in terms of like draft stuff is that, you know, maybe this is a reminder that mobile quarterbacks aren't everything. Um, also, I guess you have to win in the trenches would be the other thing that you take yep. away. From yeah, exactly. I think that's got to be the biggest takeaway more than anything. I mean, it's not like Mahomes played bad. The dude was running around for his life out there. It just that Bucks defense completely took over in a way that we haven't seen this Chiefs offense get dominated. And in, in, I don't know, two years now, probably it's 
it, it was something. I enjoyed it. I mean, I know there's always going to be the anti-Tom Brady sentiment out here with Broncos fans. I'm a big Shaq Barrett guy. Obviously stoked to see my guy go out and succeed. He's about to get paid, paid. I mean, that's pretty much it, right? Like defense still is, it still matters. Winning in the trenches and speed linebacker, I think were two big takeaways of from that game. That was really a key for the Bucks defense. Um, How butthurt are you as the Jets fan if you're watching that and watching Todd Bowles just completely dismantle Patrick Mahomes after what you've got under Adam Gase these last couple of years? I said on the podcast last week, like I was talking to Carl Durrell, who's worked quite a bit with Todd Bowles, and he said, you give Todd Bowles that much time to prepare, he's going to have something cooked up, and there's a good chance it's going to work. Turns out Carl was wrong because he said it was going to be a close game. But that was like the conversation that started me thinking like, huh, is this maybe not just a lock for the Chiefs? I mean, I think that was the wrong way to approach it from the get-go, though. I mean, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are kind of an odd case, right? Because they started off really cold, but you could really see as the season went on, especially after that first meeting with the Chiefs, that this team is really getting it together. And I mean, I underrated them, I guess, the whole year, too, but you just can't underrate Tom Brady. And, you know, once he finally gets all those pieces together and on the same page, it's, it's really hard to stop, man. How about how the Patriots feel after this though? Yeah, Yeah. that was, turns out a mistake to move on from the greatest quarterback. (laughs) Who saw that one? Yeah. I mean, there I say, I don't think the results would have been the same with the Patriots depleted roster. Probably not, but also it is Tom Brady, you know? Yeah. I'm I'm not going to say he couldn't have done it. I I mean, I will. I think that, you know, without Mike Evans, without Chris Godwin, without Scotty Miller, without Gronkowski, without Tristan Wirfs as your right tackle, without Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones. I mean, that that roster is greatly depleted uh, for the Patriots and it's uh, they haven't drafted well. Everyone gives uh, Belichick a pass rightfully so because the record speaks for itself but it's come back to haunt them and in in the meantime the Buccaneers who've been really bad franchise for many years have been able to load up on these picks took advantage of enough of them of course they missed out on a number one overall pick and a former Heisman and Jameis Winston but by uh, with the savvy acquisition of Tom Brady in a pretty lackluster market in free agency for the veteran quarterback they were able to make it all work. Um, it's pretty impressive. But I think, yeah, I think if anything, this win isn't so much a testament to Brady. I think it's a testament to the draft matters. Having a well-rounded roster matters. Having a, a coaching staff that's made up of a strong offensive mind and a strong defensive mind matters. Um, and then you also need a bit of a, a run of good luck. Also, the other team not having their starting offensive line definitely matters that that's probably the biggest thing that I take away. Like when you can just get a pass rush with four guys and you can drop seven guys in coverage, you could stop anybody, even this, even the chiefs. Yeah. I tweeted about this. Um, the chiefs personnel wise have never had some ultra talented offensive line. But it's an offensive line that's benefited from a tremendous amount of continuity. Um, I think up to last year, that same group of five had stayed together. Um, 
for some three, four years. And then last year they were plugging and playing Cam Irving, former first round pick, and they were able to develop him nicely and benefit from that um, versatility. And now the injuries caught up to him. It was a COVID season that happened to everyone in spurts. We don't need to tell Broncos fans who saw Kendall Hinton play quarterback about that but i do think it kind of starts this new year of chiefs football where with mahomes's contract looming you're gonna have to cut some corners in some areas it's probably not going to be wide receiver certainly not going to be quarterback it'll probably be offensive line and so the chiefs are going to have to find ways to succeed maybe without such a putrid offensive line but I think that disadvantage in the trenches is something we should be expecting most of the time from Kansas City in the playoffs. Yeah, this is something I wrote about in the offseason, how, you know, once you start paying these franchise quarterbacks, it's going to be really hard to build your team and kind of, I don't know, I mean, obviously the rookie deal is how you win in this league. And now the real work is going to start for the Chiefs because Mahomes' deal is just going to skyrocket at this point. You're not going to be able to extend – the Mitchell Schwartz's, the Travis Kelsey's, the Tyreek Hills, all these people that you want to extend. It's just not going to be able to happen anymore. So it's going to be real interesting to see what Veach and the Chiefs do at this point because now the real work is going to begin. Learn from Seattle's faults. Protect your quarterback. Like, guys, if you can't protect the quarterback, you can't do anything. And I understand that in, if, if I'm the Chiefs, honestly, I'd invest in the O-line and go cheap on wide receiver. Like I've got Patrick Mahomes. That dude's gonna gonna make it work with a bunch of seventh graders. I mean, he's that special. That's I, I just I don't understand how, why you would risk yep. it if you have an elite once in a generation type talent. Protect him. That that should be my biggest priority. I don't care about anything else. That's what the Packers have done. They've they've given him Devonte Adams and nobody else, and it hasn't worked. <laughs> they they've gotten so close. They keep going to the conference championship, but without the, the the full slate of weapons, they haven't been able to get over the hump. And it's not just the Packers. It's been every single team with a quarterback not on a rookie contract except for Tom Brady for years now. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a tricky situation because I, I think Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey are uh, more important than any offensive lineman on that team. So the, the prioritization of... Uh, all those pieces on that offense now becomes a lot trickier than it has been to this point. So the real work begins for the chiefs. And instead of having uh, two super bowls under the belt, they just have one. So that's a nice thing. Do we want to get into this mock now? Let's do it. Let's, Let's do, do it. it. Well, uh, this was an interesting mock. What the two things that stood out to me right off the bat was one, four quarterbacks in the first four picks, with a projected trade up in the third pick with Carolina moving up to swap out picks with the Dolphins. And again, another big mock where we see Trey Lance going ahead of Justin Fields, something we've talked about, and we will get into more in the second segment. Um, from there, it was kind of chalk in some ways with, uh, the three best wide receivers coming off the board and Penny Sewell. So very BPA oriented type of mock draft. Uh, this was published last night. So before the AHA Bouye news broke, but Patrick Sertain was the pick for Denver, which um, works out kind of nicely with the news. And then Mac Jones goes at 12th overall 
to the Chicago Bears who trade up with the 49ers. Um, anything else that stood out to you guys from this mock? Just what you said, the top four going quarterbacks. I mean, I yeah. think that's something that we've kind of seen in previous years that these quarterbacks are just going to go high. Um, and then Mac Jones at 12. I mean, a lot of people don't want to hear it, but he's going to probably be a first round quarterback at this point. I mean, you can say what you want about his mobility, his arm strength. He's quarterbacks go high. Pick. He's not just going to be a first round quarterback. Yeah. yeah. I just, I don't know how you pass on a dude who's consistently proven himself time and time again, especially if it falls that way where the, you know, those top four guys go, if you're, you're basically any team that needs a quarterback that the drop off after Mac Jones is significant. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, does somebody risk the draft capital and trade up for him or does he even maybe go before like Justin Fields does, is there any way that he ends up being the fourth quarterback taken? I, I'm just really curious to see how this entire thing shakes out. Who, who do you guys have at number one right now? Behind, behind Lawrence, obviously. I mean, like, oh yeah, it's not even really worth getting into. I think it's still got to be Wilson for me. I just think the arm talent and just overall playmaking ability kind of takes precedence in that point. But I mean, you could argue for any of them, really. I mean, I like them all. I totally agree, and I, I again just want to say that, like, to me, this is a five quarterback class, and yep the Mac Jones is in that tier that if, if somebody want to take him top 10, I, I definitely would not dislike that pick. Um, also, I, I think that there's a note in here somewhere about the Panthers potentially taking Mac at eight. Um, that would suck. Find it right now. Uh, but they were writing like, you know, we've been talking <laughs> with Matt rule who said, you know, there are four or five games that came down to one drive at the end and if we had a guy who could have just completed those passes, it might've been a totally different season. And, you know, again, this is such a weird draft conversation because what everybody's obviously looking for is the best possible quarterback. And you can look around and say, well, Trey Lance has all the tools to be the best quarterback in this draft. Justin Fields has the athleticism that if he figures a couple other things out, he could be the best quarterback, but you can look at Mac Jones and say, the combination of the accuracy and anticipation and the three other things, the quick decisions, all that kind of stuff make him already a pretty good quarterback. Um, so I, I do think that four in the top four picks isn't all that crazy. And I think that Mac Jones sliding in a few picks later wouldn't be a surprise either. I yeah, just I mean, wonder if there's a scenario where all five go before Denver picks. I mean, I think it would probably take somebody trading up into you know, leapfrogging Denver into that like seven, eight range. But if they're forecasting four quarterbacks to go top four, I mean, it's not, it's not out of the world that all five could go. And at that point, not at all. I mean, there's going to be a lot of talented players on the board for Denver. It'd be disappointing in the sense that you miss out on all these great quarterbacks, but Mm -hmm. you know, Sertain or Sewell or one of these guys, like somebody's going to fall. Yeah. And in a way this was to me, like what I would have called my dream mock a few months ago, you know, I am definitely warming up to the idea of uh, the Broncos taking a quarterback at nine. And I might even push for that at this point, but to have four of those guys off the board uh, to have three of the receivers off the board, when the Broncos make their pick, 
Um, you lose out on Penny Sewell, but if you're not looking for quarterback or receiver, which is possible for the Broncos, things couldn't have gone too much better than how they did here. Real quick, if I go back to Mac Jones, though, if Daniel Jones is a top six pick or whatever he is, I don't see how Mac Jones couldn't be a top 10 pick. Absolutely. And I think that if, if he does get picked top 10, the reaction may be similar to the Daniel Jones reaction from a lot of people. But again, I, I would not see things that way because that is a good quarterback who did really impressive things this year. Where was he being projected, Daniel Jones? I mean, they, I know it was like first round buzz, but it was kind of like 20s type pick, right? Yeah, more like late first, early second, that kind of yeah. thing. Um, I would say more if Jared Goff was taken first overall in a year where both teams traded up to one and two, um, then yeah, Mac Jones can easily go top 10. Um, you know, we forget like Josh Rosen went top 10. Um like for Josh, this Rosen. isn't that crazy or outlandish or unprecedented. Um, yeah, poor Josh Rosen, indeed. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't know. I think this exact scenario could play out, and then the Mac Jones could be gone before the Broncos pick because maybe in that scenario, the team trading up to three isn't the Panthers, the Panthers stay at eight and they take Mac Jones. Could very easily see that. Um, the Panthers have been the, the odds makers favorites to get Deshaun Watson too for a little bit now. Uh, so, so that's interesting, but I don't know. feels to me like there's a bit of a drop off after those first eight picks. Um, so maybe, maybe the Broncos should go Mac Jones if uh, this were to unfold. Uh, also interesting to see Micah Parsons drop, which we expect to become more and more of a theme I think uh, Trevor Mooring, one of the TCU safeties we keep talking about, sneaked in to the top 20, I found quite interesting. Um, you know, Travis Etienne and Najee Harris both making it into this mock. Uh, our guy Aaron Robinson squeezing in here. And then both the Washington holdouts on defense, Joe Trian who I think is interesting because it's a loaded edge class, but he's kind of different from the other edges. And then Levi, um, you can say his last name, Henry, okay. uh, squeezing in at 25, I also thought was interesting. Uh, interior defensive lineman, that's one of those positions. Eye of the beholder could easily make it so that one of these top five guys gets pushed up a little higher than, than necessary because there's just a complete lack of depth at that position this year. Yeah. Uh, to me, honestly, I was not surprised by really anything I saw after yeah. the top 10. You know, Caleb Farley at 10, honestly, like maybe a little bit higher than I would have had him, but it makes a lot of sense. And you could certainly justify him as a top 10 pick. But then from there, it's like it's Pitts, Mac Jones, Rashawn Slater, Elijah Vera Tucker, Micah Parsons, Greg Russo, JOK, Jalen Phillips, Kadarius Tony, like this is where we've been seeing all these guys get mocked now for a couple of months. And I think that that this should be how we see them, you know, Micah Parsons as a potential pick at nine. Yeah, definitely something that you would consider maybe a bit of a reach though, because this is where he's been seen by a lot of these guys again in the last three, four mock drafts we've seen. Um, and then from there in the twenties, you know, Trevon Morig, good case for him to be the the top safety off the board 
where that top safety falls, I don't think it's going to be in the top 20. I think it's probably going to be more like 27. But again, to see his name right there, not a huge surprise. And I think that that's true all the way through with Pay, Ojolari, ETN, Darisa, Anwuzarike, Zayvon Collins. Like this mock draft kind of felt generic after the last few in my mind, outside of those, the top 10 where there were four quarterbacks in the top four picks. Yeah, I mean, go ahead, Andre. That's just the environment we're in is there, there aren't a ton of differences in any of these. Mock so drafts. much consensus, like either everyone's going to look like a genius or everyone's just going to look like an idiot. And it's kind of going to double down on the people that are like, why do you guys try and project this stuff? It's pointless. It's, well, there's less variance because be there's been less tape. I mean, yeah. yeah so like, Real quick, though, I want to talk about uh, Micah Parsons. I don't want to get uh, too into the off-field stuff. I just don't understand how, you know, he's being penalized for this off-field stuff when Yatir Gross-Matos was also named in that report, and he wasn't really discredited because of that. I don't understand why it's all kind of falling on Micah Parsons' shoulders here. Yeah, so there's um, what Jake is referencing as a report that I've seen going around a good amount on draft Twitter about some uh, hazing that uh, goes pretty far. Um, you guys can Google Micah Parsons hazing and figure this all out for yourselves. I, Jake, am not seeing um, bigger mainstream media reference those reports. Um, and as you point out, Yeter Gross-Matos is in all those write-ups side by side with Micah Parsons, and he still went top 35. I don't believe his uh, stock was impacted in the slightest. So um, maybe this maybe this won't end up hurting his stock. Um, when you see and read the report, it is pretty startling. Doesn't sound like anyone I wouldn't want to invest any sort of money into or root for or do anything for. But uh, we, we will see how it plays out. You know, this kind of stuff can be tricky in the draft. But, yeah, there are some murmurs of some pretty disconcerting off-field stuff. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I don't think it's going to really matter when it comes to draft day. I mean, the, the report came Who out. Knows, Hank? Like, like we it's not like this is totally new information. Like, yeah. we just hit this stage in the draft cycle where it comes up again, and this time we're talking about the Micah Parsons side of it instead of the Yatur Gross-Matos side of it. But, I mean, we knew this about the guy over a year ago. And so I don't really think that at this point when we've been talking about him the way we've been talking about him in the top 15, like the fact that this has just come to light again, I I have a tough time believing that it's really going to affect many decision makers. And I don't I don't want to discredit the allegations whatsoever at all, but I mean, no charges were filed, man. I mean, he's not suspended by the school or anything either. So I just, it's just puzzling to me that, I feel like we're just kind of piling on Micah Parsons at this point for uh, something that he was a part of and not the sole person responsible for. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, we you'd have to get into more details and uh, that's what scouting departments and NFL teams are doing. So the, the draft will be really our, our truth serum on that and uh, to see, to properly gauge whether or not this mattered at all to evaluators. Let's uh, let's get into this quarterback position, take a quick break. And on the other side, we'll get into our top tens, our favorite late round gems and uh, all that good stuff. We start with our position previews. Draft season is here and we're getting right into it. One of the 
a potentially a historic draft class, one that could join uh, the Elway draft class and that Baker Mayfield, uh, you know, that draft class that was bookended by Mayfield at one and Lamar Jackson at 32 as yet another year where we see five quarterbacks taken in the top 15 picks. So uh, with that as our premise, let's take a quick break and we'll be back on the other side. UFC 257 surely gave the fans the show they were looking for, and this weekend is sure to be just as action-packed. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of UFC, is putting you in the center of this weekend's title fight with 101 odds on your chosen fighter to step out of the octagon raising the belt. Pick either main event fighter to win this weekend's UFC 258 bout, and DraftKings Sportsbook will give you 100 to 1 odds. That's a $1 bet on either fighter to reign victorious, and if your fighter wins, you'll cash $100. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Don't worry if MMA isn't for you. DraftKings Sportsbook offers great odds and promotions on basketball, hockey, and so much more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. So, Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DMVR when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 on your chosen title contender to win. Place your bet and watch the fist fly this weekend. That's code DMVR to turn $1 into $100 on the main event Saturday night. For a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right. Uh, it's time. We're going to get into it. The quarterbacks, we, I think, should start by ranking our top fives since we've already touched on how it is a, you yourself said it's a five-man draft, Henry, um, at the quarterback position. Uh, Justin's already teased the question, asking who our top guy is, and then said, well, aside from Trevor Lawrence. So let's just introduce Trevor Lawrence and what makes him so special. Um, because I think he's a unique prospect in that maybe not as polished as advertised, um, but there are just some truly special raw traits. Uh, his feel and athleticism in the pocket under pressure is really unique and natural and has been since he was a freshman. And then his arm, his ability to just throw it on a rope kind of from whatever angle, if on the move from the pocket um, is really, really, really special. Uh, he can, he can, he needs to advance and see it a little quicker and throw with anticipation. And, you know, we've seen him get outplayed by top prospects uh, last couple of years in the playoffs. Uh, so like Fields, like Joe Burrow last two years ago. Uh, so he's far from a perfect prospect, but when you have those kind of rare natural traits at the quarterback position, I think that, that, that should really explain why Trevor Lawrence has so many scouts excited. Nobody's ever made me feel as nervous as, you know, rooting for the opposing team. When the ball's in Trevor Lawrence's hand and the game's on the line, you feel like you are going to lose. You know, you feel like it's a Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers, just an elite orchestrator of the offense. He's going to find a way to get down the field. Like you talked about, his ability to improvise is insane. I mean, so many times in those playoff matchups that they won over the years, it'd be like, oh man, this Alabama D-line, they break through, they're going to get him. And then 
he finds a way to slip around the tackle and hits a tight end with just this gorgeous throw on the run. I mean, he's just a great improviser. And, and in, in today's league, I think that's such a valuable skill. I will say, like you said, I think he got exposed a little bit at times in terms of, you know, anticipation and stuff like that needs to just, you know, get rid of the ball a little bit sooner, but I just, I, I have zero concerns about Trevor Lawrence translating to the next level. And I'm, I'm willing to put that out there, you know, old take expose me or whatever. This guy is going to be an all pro once in a generation type quarterback. And he is, he's worth the hype. He's worth the excitement. I'm, I'm thrilled to see how it plays out. And the no. versatility too. Like, like yes. I feel like wherever you want to put him, he will succeed. Like he can do anything you could ask of a quarterback. You know, when you, you brought up, you know, the Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, that's the mold. And that's the reason why he is the a, a number one overall pick quarterback. Uh, because when you look through the all-time greats, you find like the two different groups. You find the, the Patrick Mahomes, the Aaron Rodgers, the John Elway, you know, the guys who you give them the ball and then they go win you the game. And that's what Trevor Lawrence is. And he fits the same style of play. He's mobile. He can get outside of the pocket. He can run when he needs to. Um, and more productively than maybe any of those guys I just named. When you look at the other sorts of all-time greats, you know, the Tom Brady, the Peyton Manning, those are guys who, right or wrong, get labeled system quarterbacks. Guys who, you know, Tom Brady, he wants those checkdowns. He wants things spread out. He wants everything very structured around him. He doesn't want to be, okay, bootleg to the right. I guess there was a little bit of that maybe like run outside of the pocket, send Randy Moss deep, but that was a decade ago. And we never really saw that from Peyton Manning. It's all just very structured. Everything needs to be set up. It's like a scientist type of thing. Trevor Lawrence is that other type. He's the all-star quarterback. I am the best player on the field. I'm putting the team on my back and I'm going to go win you games. It doesn't matter who's around me. And that, that is why I get so excited about him. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to see some Peyton Manning type rookie year stuff from Trevor Lawrence. I mean, I definitely expect there to be some struggles, but you're just going to see the obvious flashes of talent. And it's just going to be easy to tell that this guy is going to be around the league and a pretty damn good player for a long time. And I mean, also there's a 99.999% chance he's going to be urban Myers quarterback and urban Myers is going to probably do a great job scheming up easy ways for Trevor Lawrence to, you know, throw the ball, run the ball. Um, so it's, yeah, you can kind of nitpick where you want. Maybe he's not reading the full field all the time or, you know, doesn't do everything to an elite level, but he's going to be okay. I think uh, the, as Andre said, the natural traits are there and the uh, overreaction to some of the deficiencies or deficiencies, I guess you could call it are overstated. I think they're more overreactions to the hype which uh, we can get lost in a little too much as draft analysts is nitpicking someone else's draft takes instead of just properly assessing a player. Uh, now the tricky part starts, though, um, how we rank two through five. I'm interested to see where Mac breaks up the party for Justin um, and what the differentiators are for us all here. So, um yeah, Justin, let's start with you. Where would you place Mac in this top five? I go back and forth on it because to me, it's all about him or Justin Fields behind Zach Wilson, who's my number two. I I, th I think you can go. I, just, I can't, just don't think you can go wrong with either of these guys. I guess I lean Mac Jones just based on everything that we've seen. 
I, I believe in his decision-making ability. I think his arm talent is underrated. And I, I just think he's proven at this point. I think his draft stock's risen up. That said, I, I understand all the Trey Lance hype. I understand all the field type, the, you know, they can move around They're athletic, different type of quarterback. But uh, for me, Mac Jones is my number three guy right now. And I know that's significantly higher than, than most people, but I'm, I'm willing to take that stand. Wait, number four. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Number four guy. Yeah. Sorry. You you are in a world where Trevor Lawrence doesn't even count. Yes. He's yeah. a he he's number zero. You're starting the count after him. Um, which I can appreciate. I just <laughs> we need some clarity here, Justin. Okay. And look, to me, you could it's truly in the eye of the beholder. Um I think there's a case to be made. Mac Jones could be ranked ahead of Zach Wilson if you really want to make it. For me, it is Zach Wilson, then Fields, then Lance, then Mac Jones. Um, but it's a tough group to handicap. It's a tough group to handicap. The floors and ceilings are all over the place on these guys. All over. Lance is going to make or break somebody's career, like in terms of a GM. Mm-hmm. Somebody, somebody's going to go bold and take that dude top eight, and it's either going to be the the best pick they ever made, or to uh, to quote the Colts GM a while back, it's what's going to get his ass run out of the building. Yep. To me, it's it's not so much the floors and ceilings as much as it's just like picking which red flags you are willing to accept. And you know, with Zach Wilson. It's, you know, he didn't play anybody good this season well, until Coastal Carolina and San Diego State at the end of the year. And in those games, he actually kind of looked human. With Justin Fields, it's he had all this talent around him. And also there's the slow decision making and that kind of stuff, but you have the speed to make up for it. With Mac Jones, again, it's the talent all around him. Um, plus, he, he isn't the very good athlete. And then with Trey Lance, it's, I mean, to me, Zach Wilson problems, but on steroids. Um, because he's playing FCS football. Um, and, and that's how I kind of approach this is just thinking, which one of these guys do I think is most likely to bust because of those flaws that we see in their game? And that's why, you know, I'm having a really tough time not putting Mac Jones all the way up at the top of this tier because I do think that when we look back at this, who who do I think has the best chance of going on to having a Hall of Fame career? it's Mac Jones and these other guys have these tools that you could see coming together, but that picture just isn't so clear. And maybe that's on me for not being so good at seeing how this could all work out and, and they could turn into those players. But when you look at it right now, like, you know, starting with the back end with Trey Lance, I've, I've spoken about my concerns with him a lot. You know, you look at the, the biggest games he played all season, San Diego or not San Diego state, South Dakota state, um, the number three team in the country and he doesn't make an NFL throw all game. He throws for about 70 total yards. The, the bulk of their offensive production is on a, a read option where the running back is running to the edge and Trey is deciding whether he's going to pull that ball and pound it up the middle or let him go to the edge. And when you remember that he's the same size as Aaron Rodgers and Drew Locke, he's not the next Cam Newton, you think, is an offensive coordinator really going to be willing to call that play, which is one of the bread and butter plays of that entire offense. And even if he does, will it be effective? You know, you look at the numbers of how many of his yards rushing come after contact. And if I'm his coach, I'm saying, you better be getting down and not getting contacted at all. And and when you start to piece those together, I start to get concerns about the athletic ability. Because remember, like, 
we've seen Derek Tuska on the field for the Broncos this season. If Derek Tuska played against Trey Lance, he would have been one of the best defenders that Trey Lance would have seen all season. Uh, and that's why you can get away with being a little bit smaller for a power runner. And that's why to me, Trey Lance is the bottom of the group. And again, I, I see the athleticism, the the potential Mahomes type ability, even if he can't run to get outside. So the where do you rank them? Let's get into these rankings. You want to get into the rankings? I feel like we yeah. got to discuss the players though. That's the interesting part. Okay. Uh, how do you rank them? Two through four. Uh, Five is going to be (laughs) lots of talking, but Mac Jones is the safest of all. Is Mac Jones your second quarterback, though? Uh, (laughs) I'm going to leave Zach Wilson there, but I did like just go back. I watched it's like a two hour (laughs) video on YouTube. It's every throw and run from Zach Wilson all season. And you do realize that obviously, like 33 touchdowns, three interceptions, very good. But some of those balls, he's just kind of like lobbing up and letting good receivers go make plays for him. And how much of the offense is that? How much isn't? I'm not so sure. A lot of fucking throws from out. Zach Wilson. Yeah. No, and, and it. It's like go deep and you're going to win. And then the next time you run the hitch because they're going to be six yards behind you because you're playing the University of Texas, San Antonio or whatever. And so I do still think you have to leave him second just because that arm is so electric and he has the athleticism. I think I'm going to go Mac Jones three and then Fields and then Lance. Don't be hating the Roadrunners, Doc. No, I'm just kidding. That's a a terrible program. (laughs) I'm actually the same as you, Andre. I'm going to go Lawrence, Wilson, Fields, Lance, then Mac Jones. Um, The debate for me is really two through four. I think those guys are all pretty close. I've got maybe Wilson and I guess two notches ahead of Fields who's maybe – half a notch or a notch ahead of Lance. I think it's just really close. You're splitting hairs, mm-hmm. kind of just like what flavor you like at that point. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if Justin Fields ends up being the best quarterback of this class, though. Um, you talk about all the natural traits. He's got it all. And I know I even made the video on his mental processing and where his issues lie. Go I mean, check that out, by the way. Yeah, it would be appreciated. Um, if you've, It's something that can be fixed. It's just that, man, he is so – his arm talent is – probably the best in this class. I mean, you could probably say that about three or four other guys in this class, but man, he can chuck the ball and he's not afraid to hit tight windows. It's just the weird mental processing things that get me with him. Same with Lance. I mean, obviously the tools are all there and he's just such a raw prospect in terms of age and what kind of uh, league he's coming from. That's what makes it tough for me with Lance. Although I see the ceiling with him Uh, to your point though, Hank about uh, his competition and his size these are listings were taken from tw- the 2019 season and he's only like 20 years old. He's going to be 21, I think at the time of the draft. That's so true. he's, I'm willing to bet he's definitely bigger than what he's listed at for the 2019 roster. Um, and I think that he could be fine in the NFL. He's going to need some time though. I mean, they're all going to need some time. I think yeah. Wilson might be the one um, Mac Jones also uh, come in and have an immediate impact uh, obviously tr- Trevor Lawrence, but I'm kind of with Justin where he's like number zero. I mean, I don't even really want to worry about him or watch him at this point. We know what he is, but um, anyways, to get to Mac Jones at five there, we already talked about how he's, I guess the most pro ready, but you know, you still have to wonder, I mean, you're going to have to have a nice supporting cast for him. I look mm-hmm. at someone like Tampa Bay. If he went to Tampa Bay somewhere like that, mm-hmm. that'd be a great setting for him. Um, if he goes somewhere like Denver, where there's a lot of young pieces and you know, you're still trying to figure out exactly the identity of the team. It could be some early struggles for him though. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. I think these guys are all kind of delayed to some extent. Um, yeah. With the Max, go ahead. Oh yeah, but to the point with like the talent around him, you know, he threw into tight windows more often than Tua did before. He threw into tight windows twice as often as Justin Fields did this season, and he was also the most accurate passer in all of college football by a very wide margin on tight window throws all year. Like the guy is really polished and to not say, I, I think that that strength for Mac Jones may be as strong as just about any other strength for any quarterback in this draft outside of Trevor Lawrence. We don't talk about Trevor Lawrence. I feel like Jack Nicholson right now in that gif where he's just like, yes, like <laughs> up and down, nodding his head and looking like a psychopath. But um, I think Mac, like at the end of the day, his ceiling probably not quite as high as some of these other athletic dudes. I also don't think he's going to get anybody fired. So it just, you know, it kind of depends on what you want to go with. I do agree. You know, he's got to land in the right system as much as I'd love to see him in Denver. It's probably not optimal at the moment, but I also don't think, you know, Denver's offense is, is super far off from putting him in a successful position. You've got the tight ends who he can really use successfully. If you could just, develop some type of play action game where, you know, you get some of these receivers going on the edge. I, I could see it working. And again, <sighs> like when we talk about the Mac Jones ceiling, Tom Brady just won his seventh Super Bowl. Come on, stop. That's such a dumb comp. We're not doing that on this podcast. No, but, we're not right, doing like, that. But, but we're not doing why, that. Why doesn't Mac Jones have that high of a, ce- a high ceiling then? Because he can't run? Because the greatest of all time is a worse runner. Yeah, I mean, 20 years ago when he came in the lead 25 years ago and had like 15 years to catch up IQ wise. Yeah, I know. But he won seven Super Bowls. Can you still achieve that if your mind has to catch up? Can you still come in as a rookie without that mobility, allowing you to make up for that margin? Uh, You know, is your mind, is your body gonna stretch you out and give you and buy you enough time for your mind to catch up and get to that Brady level are you su- are you concerned with Mac Jones and his decision making and ability to process because based In, on everything I've seen I'm not I mean yeah. I'm not that worried about it I'm just well not. sure at Alabama in that offense with that talent around him yeah in the NFL if he were to be drafted in the top 10 like say by the Carolina Panthers and now, you know, your O-line isn't great. You have to face that Bucks defense that just took down uh, Patrick Mahomes, you know. But you have the uh, ultimate dump-off option in Christian McCaffrey, who Mac will literally take all day long. You know, he's not one of those. He's not going to pull a Drew Locke in a sense where he's going to, you know, try and force things that aren't there. If the O-line's not there, he'll, sure, swing past to C-Mac. Take it. Yeah, he could be as good as... Teddy Bridgewater and taking those kind of checkdowns. Is that worth a, the eighth overall pick? I mean, the difference is, is he's not going to miss those throws that cost them in those tight games that Teddy couldn't make. I agree. It's going to be the deep ball. It's going to be those shots to Bobby Anderson. Yeah. Like, um, is he going to do I think Mac is going to go out there with Carolina and complete 38 passes and throw for 600 yards? No, but he doesn't need to. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I'm pretty high on him. I, I just think the Brady comp is stupid. I mean, and, and he, <laughs> I'm not trying to compare him to Brady. I'm just saying that if his ceiling is limited because he can't run, mm-hmm. well, I mean, the best quarterback of all time run, runs less than he does. And so, again, that's just my opinion. I don't really 
care if well, you there's can't a few run. of them that have had quite a bit of success breeze didn't run at all philip rivers didn't run i mean i know these yeah. aren't championships breeze has good mobility winning. i mean but you Mac know like can move about as much as breeze can i guess so i i just think we need modern comps to quarterbacks that are coming out recently and having success because there it is that's fair, quite yeah. the the number of quarterbacks who are benefiting who are still succeeding. it's all the athletic guys right now He's yeah. more golf to me than anything. I yes. think probably not as good of an arm, but yes. he, that's kind of the quarterback I think of when I think of Mac Jones. I'm terrified that he's Haskins. Yes. Oh, I hope not. Haskins I put hope. up some insane numbers. He blew up the scene, super consistent, um, but that didn't work out. Now, that was some off-field stuff. And, and um, I didn't watch much of Haskins because I wasn't doing the draft stuff at the time, but I do have a tough time believing that he is as quick and as sharp and is clean with all the reads and all that kind of stuff as Mac Jones is. I mean, let's see him outside of another offense. You know, it's a lot of uh, one-year wonder type stuff that we're giving him benefit for right now. Um, was, but no, I mean, I agree. I don't I think, think he gets enough credit for the work he did post-Tua injury where he had to come in on short notice and take over, and that offense didn't skip a beat. I mean, he damn near brought them back into contention, and we kind of just gloss over that and talk about, you know, like, hey, it was all 2020 that great run but i mean yeah it's one year all against sec defenses it wasn't you know a situation yeah. where they're playing incarcerate ward or one of these schools you know what i mean like yeah it's a small sample size but it's about as good of a small sample size as you could have no on, the, on this show we've referenced the fact that judy had his best game once mac was on the field yeah. not with two yeah and that he had he did come into that alabama offense and looked better than Tua. And I've compared his tape to Baker Mayfield, where another guy that benefited from a great offense, benefited from the talent around him. Now, Baker's different mobility, escapability, also different size. So he needs more escapability and mobility. But I had similar concerns about what Baker, the context Baker was coming from, the raw tools, and the stuff that sold me most on Baker was the stuff that sold me most on Mac Jones, which is being faster. He's actually, I think he's very good under pressure. Uh, watch him under pressure. He played very well. That, that Georgia defense that has NFL talent at every single level got after him. He picked his poison. Yep. He picked his poison, took what the defense got him. And when it was time to take shots, he took his shots. So I, I like it. I think there's some golf Kirk cousins comps to be there. My concerns are just once you get to that second contract, and now we're paying him 35 mil a year. Is he that guy you really want to build your franchise around? And that's a fair question. I mean, yeah. we see that with Goff. We see that with Cousins. Yeah. They've had a lot of success. They've made a lot of money. They haven't won any titles. I mean, Goff came yeah. a lot closer, I guess. And th some weird stuff happened with those Vikings teams. But mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. You worry you're stuck in that Cousins, like Matty Ice limbo, you know? Yeah. Yeah. At the same time, though, like with the other guys, uh, better than what Denver's had over the last half decade, I can say that. I'm true. true. And with the other guys, I'm more worried about like, do these guys ever put it together at all? Here's the thing: it just depends on how you view them, ranking them wise, though. Like, yeah. I mean, I think the way you're seeing it, Henry, is kind of a ceiling way, or a, sorry, kind of a floor way in terms of ranking. Whereas if you look at it in terms of ceiling, it's pretty clear that he's probably got the lowest ceiling of the five in the top five and that's just what it comes down to i mean are you in the position where you can take a quarterback that maybe doesn't have a very high ceiling but can really operate an offense and 
you know, easily drive the ship to 10 wins pretty consistently? Or do you just want to go for the fences, man, and try and get a Justin Fields, Trey Lance, who could potentially be an MVP type player? It's just who you're looking for. And Zach Wilson was just such a natural thrower and improviser. Um, His raw tools to me tick down from fields from Lance, but he's above just because man, like Henry was talking about their system quarterbacks and those who can rise above the X's and O's who when Holy shit, they schemed us, right? What do we do in this play? They can rise above it and make a play for you. Zach Wilson has that man. And it's pretty special. We saw it all year like Mac Jones, like uh, we were early adopters on Zach Wilson as well. So I take a lot of pride uh, in this podcast doing that. Um, any final thoughts on that top five, fellas? I'm, I'm excited to see how we differentiate the bottom five. I will say that I'm not sure I would have the balls to take Mac Jones in front of those other guys. I like, know. I'm not sure if I'm sitting yeah. in the GM sheet seat that I'd actually do it. What I will say, though, is that my list is the order that I want to be able to look back on 20 years from now because I think that that's what's going to look the best. Mm -hmm. I think the most important question is, did his teammates come to his birthday party? You know? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Storyline ever written into a movie. Dante Mac, no matter what. In COVID times. First of all, I love draft day. I know it's a corny, terrible representation of this process. I still (laughs) shamelessly love that movie because I'm a Kevin Costner guy till I die. But even even I was yeah. like, okay, are we serious? That's that's the reason they're not going to take this guy because his, his teammates didn't come to his birthday party. Terrible movie. Sorry. To me, that's honestly fine. It's the nonsense trade that really gets me. Yes. <laughs> that it's was the, the worst part. back and forth. I want like, my picks Jesus. back because I fucking feel like it. <laughs> yeah, like, okay. Um, I'm going to watch that movie uh, like so- three times before the draft. Do we all have Kyle Trask as our sixth best quarterback? Yes. Yeah, I don't. Uh, uh, I guess so. I I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm not excited. What's your hang up, Jake? I'm just not excited. About I him. could make an argument. He's not that far off Mac Jones. True. Don't you but take that back. In I'm terms of, say, uh, man. in terms of arm talent and just, I don't, I don't know, man. We saw that Mac Jones or not Mac Jones. Kyle Trask was, basically a product of Pitts and Tony. It's, I don't think that, you know, Devonte Smith, Jalen Waddle, Najee Harris made Mac Jones though. I think that's where you kind of differentiate the two. Uh, Kyle Trash just doesn't get me excited. I, I don't know. He played well throughout the year. I mean, he had some nice plays, nice throws. I just don't know if that's someone that I would invest in for my franchise and be willing to pay millions of dollars to. That's really all these guys though. I mean, like we said earlier, it's a five quarterback race and, and that drop off after that is substantial. I mean, I wouldn't take, yeah, exactly. If I don't land one of these guys, I'm not taking anybody earlier than the third round. Yeah. Really. I'd be hoping for the fourth round on a lot of these guys, just that they slide and all right, I'll take a flyer on a, on him or like a Sam Ellinger or somebody like that. I mean, I just, I, I, I wouldn't argue with anyone if they were like, no, you know, he's, Ellinger's the sixth or seventh, or if they were like, no, dude, he's like the 15th best quarterback. Cause I just, I don't really see it with any of these guys. I just like Trask, how well he handled himself under pressure. Yeah. Um, and I his think there's some strength. real promise to his footwork. I think the accuracy is there. He's good at high pointing and letting his guys go get it. 
Um, and he's able to generate enough like torque on his throws, even when like pressure is bearing down and he doesn't have like his full weight underneath him. That said, in tight windows, like over the middle, oof, he struggled, man. He struggled. Um, and like, it's not going to get any easier there. Is the yeah, thing. Like DBs exactly. are going to jump him left and right. Um, but I don't know. There's like, if you, if you squint, <laughs> he could almost be like a combo of like Dak Prescott and Andy Dalton. Like, obviously he's not the I actually athlete. like that comparison. Yeah, that's, like that's solid. He's not the athlete Dak is, but he comes from that same system. And I think he handles himself well under pressure. And while his arm's not elite, he does a good job putting it where his guys can go get it. Um, and then like, yeah, Andy Dalton kind of limited ceiling, but could be serviceable. Like he's a guy who I'll slap a third round grade on and be like fairly happy with. Um, yeah. I think like the Trask is interesting if you do have the talent, because we've seen him run an offense before. Like there's no question he can run an offense, you know, no. could he be a Trevor Simeon? Certainly. He could certainly be a Trevor Simeon, but how much more than that do you think he could be? And I do think that if you're, you know, the Buccaneers, for example, and you know, you have Tom Brady coming back, letting Kyle Trask sit behind Brady for a year or two could do some good. And all of a sudden you're able to have some sort of continuity when the day comes where your tires, not in the first round. And even in the second round, it's probably tough. But I mean, when you're that late in the second round, like that is where I really think the Kyle Trask range opens is probably with that Buccaneers pick or maybe, maybe the saints right in front of them does feel like a Belichick pick back in the day, like a Ryan Mallett type guy that he would have drafted in like the late second round, early third round. Yeah. We'll put him by Brady. See what happens two years from now. If not, you know, we cut him. no harm, no foul. Those guys honestly, maybe had more of a ceiling. Like Jamie Newman feels very uh, Belichick esque. Agreed. Cause like yeah. there's some ceiling. He reminds me a lot of Jacoby Brissett, who was a pick of theirs. Um, yeah, Newman, to me, I'm not so excited about. I guess I, after Trask, I got kind of creative. I um, I have Brady White, the Memphis quarterback, who's a wow. former Arizona State guy. Um, his off-script stuff really impressed me. I'd highly suggest people go and watch that UCF game where two of our favorites, Richie Grant and Aaron Robinson, are in that secondary. He lit him up for six touchdowns in the air um and he's one of those where the late life on his passes was very promising like he's just running from pressure and kind of falling backwards and you see enough quarterbacks where you're like oh yeah that's gonna bounce like five feet in front of him instead it was making that extra five feet and getting in the wide receiver's arms um if there's a guy i'm gonna like risk on and just roll the dice uh, he's a guy that, yeah, I, I would try to develop and kind of bring in house um, and go after early day three. Where are you guys at with Peyton Ramsey, the, the dude out of Northwestern? He's old. He's really old. And I think that's going to worry people. But I don't know. He kind of feels like a Simeon type pick where I could see somebody taking him in the sixth or seventh round just based on how he executed that offense. The arm talent is obviously not exciting. It's I I don't know. He's a guy Former where at least Indiana, like he can too. read deep. Yeah. You know, Lots at least he picks. can read, read a system. I mean, yeah, that's true. I mean, he's one of those guys who are maybe a West coast coach, like, yeah, just bring him in. He's never going to do round. much, but yeah. you could add him to the room. Yeah, exactly. 
Because um, beyond, I mean, beyond that, like Ian Book didn't do anything for himself. KJ Costello's draft stock seems to have completely tanked. Yeah. Felipe right, Franks, I mean, it, it another tanked. dude with a ton of injury history. I, I don't know. Yeah. Hank, who do you have? Like, like KJ Costello barely even had any draft stock to begin with. Like, yeah. and, and it's totally tanked. I don't know what he's doing. Well, there, yeah, there were. I guess there were some people that were like, "Oh, they got Mike Leach in there. Like, let's see what he can do with that. You know, maybe he'll put the raw skills together." And it just did not work out at all. Good game, first game of the yeah. season. Hey, who do you have before I talk about my guy after uh, Trask? I guess honestly, you know, I like I applaud Dre for just saying we saw all these guys at the Senior Bowl and they were bad, and so they're not going to be in my top ten. I couldn't personally do that because I don't think that the other guys are better. Um, but what I will say is that like Kellen Mond, I, I think he's probably right up there because at points he's looked like he deserves to be there, even mm-hmm. though at points he certainly looked like he doesn't. Um, yeah. And when you're looking at this group of quarterbacks, you know, seventh and on in the 2021 draft, there isn't a whole lot that you look at and say like, oh, here's here's somebody who I think is going to be a starter in the future. Um, and so I do think that like Mond is probably next up for me. Oh, it's it's brutal because Jamie Newman and Felipe Franks are right Ugh. there. I'd probably take Ellinger and Book maybe in front of both of them. I um, would. Yeah, I'll, I'll go Mond. Uh, so that's what, seven? I'll go Ellinger Book at eight, nine. And then to round out my top 10, we'll go Newman over Franks. Yeah, I like Mond a lot too. I'd probably have him pretty close with Kyle Trask, actually. I think he's someone that you can really work with. Uh, You already mentioned the inconsistencies. You can see it across a variety of games. There's great throws, there's great plays, and there's also some terrible throws and head-scratching decisions. But I think that he's someone that, when you talk about a developmental quarterback, I think that's the kind of guy that you're looking for. Um, He, I mean... I, who are we really talking about here? But I think he has the best arm talent of the remaining guys at this uh-huh. point. Um, so that's why He's I would take, enough. Yeah. And then you look at the Alabama game. I mean, he had the one bad pick and there were some bad throws and everything, but he made some really tight window throws. I mean, Alabama was blanketing these guys all game and uh, he had a still a very productive game. So that's why I'm a supporter of Mond. I mean, he's just been someone I couldn't really get away from over the past three, four years anyway. Yeah. After that though, I think Ian book though is someone that I would be willing to take a shot on just because of the athletic and improvisational ability. Um, the accuracy yeah. isn't all there, but that's just something, you know, you need a backup quarterback that can come in and, you know, kind of make some plays. He's someone that I'd be willing to take a shot on after that. I mean, Ellinger's bad. I mean, <laughs> I haven't watched Brady white yet. Um, Ellen's Can you worry about like book size? I mean, he's only like six foot. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, he kind of reminds me of Johnny Manziel a bit. So, I mean, it's not that big of a concern, but if he runs around like that and is able to make some plays, it's it's kind of what you're getting him for anyway, right? Book feels like if I uh, took Jake Fromm, modified the athleticism and speed and tacked that up, but then to be honest, tacked down the accuracy, and I have Ian Book. Sure. Um Jeff Driscoll. That's, yep, that's who I was yeah, thinking. Yeah, but like way bigger or smaller. Um, Mond is fun because like his floor is relatively high and I think his ceiling is kind of high. He just needs to put it all together. He's become this like really boring 
kind of game manager who does have these flashes when he's under duress and can take a designated run. But like he for an athletic quarterback, he never throws on the run. It's maddening. Does that make you think um, that it's just a system thing? That they were just asking him to sit in the pocket and pick him apart, and maybe at the next level they'll say, how about you get outside the pocket? I think it's more of a talent thing, honestly. Yeah. He didn't have anyone that could separate besides Watermeyer. I mean, he's a good tight end, but he couldn't even really separate. He's just a big body that can make contested catches. I think he's just like a structured dude. Like, I think JT Barrett was this way. Like, some guys... Zach Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, it's built in them to like let it flow and do natural stuff and play backyard football. That's just not in Kellen Mond. Um, like he needs to see it to throw it, and he's trying to be more conservative and he's not trying to do any backyard stuff. And maybe that's an overcorrection from him. And you're definitely going to be coaching him up in the NFL to like, hey, these are your strengths. You got to let it flow and blah, blah, blah. Will he do it? I don't know. I think Davis Mills out of Stanford, probably the most surprising uh, declaration from any quarterback. Um, uh, I would agree. Pretty maddening tape at points in 2020. But if you go back to watch 2019, when that offense was more like good, more, more talent and they were playing more consistent opponents, um, like put on that Notre Dame game when Costello was out, dude, he plays really well against one of the best, defenses in the country the last two years um he's a guy who out of structure has me very intrigued and could be a fun little mobile like spread quarterback but too often in stanford tried to be within structure and uh, that really like took away from his essence but like brady white and davis mills two guys that i'm excited about and then i'd have mond and then i'd have jamie newman who like Jamie Newman's so freaking frustrating, dude. Like the deep ball's there. He's athletic. He's got a pro frame, but like he he doesn't see zone defenders over in between the hashes at all. Like he's just blind to that. Um, and and the NFL, like good freaking luck. Uh, yeah, that's a death sentence. Yeah, like <laughs> you just it, have the center hand the ball off to the defense if we're gonna do that because there's there's no point. Uh, but look that there's talent there i've seen crazier so like i've been in this game long enough where i now finally felipe franks getting a senior bowl invite makes sense to me because it's like oh yeah that'll like 99.9 percent of the time that'll never work out but there is that 0.1 percent of the time where a dude with that natural talent like kind of figures it all out in two three years and it's like a serviceable dude um it's like you know, sometimes guys pan out who you just never saw it happen. And in retrospect, you look back and you're like, it's not that my eval was wrong. Dude was just 6'5, 240, and like finally figured out. And now he's a good NFL player. Like, yeah, okay. Well, and Franks has basically been injured his entire college career. He was banged up at Florida, got to Arkansas. Yeah. They couldn't protect him there, got banged up there. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I'm going to put you guys on the spot real quick. All rankings aside, Let's say the top five quarterbacks all go first round. They all go before Denver picks at nine. They take Sertain or Sewell or Parsons or one of these dudes. It's now the third round. All these other quarterbacks are still on the board. If you have your choice between Mond and Trask, who are you more satisfied with ending up in Denver? Hank, you're first. Of course I am. Um, ugh, I mean... 
I think it's got to be Trask. But see, Let's the, go. the question is excitement. And I will say that if it is Trask, then maybe because the word is excitement, he doesn't win. Because I, I personally would be thinking, okay, have fun on the bench. See you in the quarterback competition next spring with whatever first rounder they bring in because Drew Locke busted. Or, you know, have fun being a backup because things work out for Drew Locke. With Mond, I do feel like there is a little more upside. Like it does feel more likely that he could be somebody who could. So could, isn't that who you would want then if he has I, more upside? Yeah, probably. But also I, I don't think it's I know who I want. So that's why I framed this question that way, but. Ask us more excitement on this pod. Like that's much easier for us to spend a fun like yeah segment on Saturday after day two and be like, I don't know, Cal Trask. Like I like this, and Saban said this, and blah blah blah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I could see it already. Trask and Mac Jones to me (sighs) were so close up until like that Trask three interception game, and since then, how far has he fallen? The bowl game. Yeah, the bowl game. Three picks. None I'm of not stuff. even counting that, man. That was rough, but yeah, that's hard to hold against him. You are like, holding it against him. Dan Mullen said like that wasn't even their 2020 team anymore. Like, oh, yeah. They but were like going to Wildcat. Like, <laughs> that was basically an exhibition game, trying shit yeah. out for 2021. But he, what he exhibited was not good. No, it was bad. It was bad. But. I think Mond's. So you're Trask then, Dre? Trask for me, yeah. I'm Mond. Where do you just? I'm Mond. Yeah. I just, I, I think we've seen what Trask is gonna be. I mean, I think he could be a decent, serviceable backup quarterback, a kind of guy like, hey, we got to throw him in for two quarters because our guy went down. Sure, you know, John Kitna it up out there, but I just, I, I don't see a guy that excites me and I, I, I don't see a guy that's worth a third round pick and I'm not even sure Kellen Mond is but I would just feel better about him than I would about Trask I think it's a better pick long term I think it doesn't put any pressure on Locke in terms of somebody contending for the starting job day one but at least maybe lights a fire under his ass like hey you know we're looking at other dudes here get it together or we're moving on Here's the thing, though. I just don't think the Broncos are in a position to take any of these guys after the top five. I mean, yep. what are they? What are they don't doing do at that it. point? Uh-uh. Yeah, don't do it. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's just insurance in case Drew Locke doesn't pan out. You aren't forced to go grab some veteran next offseason to to back up the number one guy or num- first round pick you bring in. But as a draft pod, I think we can all agree that the insurance for Drew Locke not working out should be lose as many games as possible once he's out so we can get the highest pick possible next year for a quarterback. Well, I I meant like for next year because, because next year, like you would certainly be drafting in the first round, having, having a Kyle Trask, if you're happy with what you see from him while he's in practice this season would mean that you could have him compete with the first round pick instead of say, give 12 million bucks to whoever Joe Flacco is, you know? Right. That's just honestly, this is just my issue with the team in general at this point. I feel like it's kind of been half-assed attempts to patch up the quarterback position. Just go get a freaking guy, man. Like take a risk, like try and become one of the best teams on offense in the league. Don't just try and, you know, we're going to run the ball and play defense. That's boring. Let's try and actually be a future team in the NFL that can like compete down the line. 
football coaches across America just cringed at you saying running the football <laughs> and playing defense is boring. Hey, you don't have to you don't have to tell me about playing ball control. I know all about it. It's just that damn man, we've seen this recipe for the past five plus years in Denver. It's not working. You have to be able yeah, to and I mean, behind. treading water is something you don't want to do. You know, you if you do need to like bottom out to go all in, then do it. So be it. Um well, there you go. There's our favorite, uh, how we rank the top five um, and uh, our favorite kind of late round guys. And we will have plenty of time to update these from now until late April. Hank, let's take a quick break and get back on the other side and answer a question from our beloved listeners. Then get out of here as we have a bunch of prep on more position groups right around the corner. Never sit in a doctor's office again. You heard that right. If you hate going to the doctor like the rest of us, then check out Zoom Care. The one great thing we can take away from a pandemic is the ability to do more things from the comfort of our own homes. Nobody likes sitting in a doctor's office or even talking to the doctor for that matter. But we all need to take care of ourselves. So what is video care? Video care is like a trip to the doctor just from your couch. You can see, hear, and chat with your doctor just like a traditional office visit. Get secure access to urgent primary and specialist care, including mental health. A video care is covered by most private insurers, usually with a copay. Uh, so visit zoomcare.com to get started. That's Z O O M C A R E.com. There's nothing better than getting a diagnosis from your doc while sitting in your own living room. So check them out. My diagnosis from my living room is that you are making comps that are not allowed on this show, Henry. I didn't, and I almost, I didn't make a single comp. All, oh, actually, no, I did say that somebody was Jeff Driscoll. There you go. Uh, yeah, a, a small quarterback, you said, was Jeff Driscoll. I mean, so I take a, 30 pounds. I take offense <laughs> to that. And I almost compared Kyle Trask to Philip Rivers, which is a comp I've made in the past, but I held back since I criticized you for the Brady comp. Ooh, here's um, a bad gun. Not a comp saying that not being mobile does not limit your ceiling. Um, That's but, true. Uh, here was my other question I wanted to get to. Yeah. Philip Rivers, if, yeah. if he was, say, like cloned and put yeah. into this draft, mm -hmm. where does he fit in? You know that you're just getting what Philip Rivers was for 20 years. Is that number one overall because you know he pans out to be a pro bowler? Is that number five because you want the upside? I mean, he'd be... For me, he'd be down there with Mac Jones at five or six just because I don't see the ceiling yeah. for him being as high as the other guys. Do the people drafting know that he works out as Philip Rivers? You know, he, you, like, you know that this is a clone <laughs> of Philip Rivers. You have his brain. You have his arm. You know that he is going to pan out. You know that he is going don't, to be... Don't put me in a position where <laughs> I have to defend <laughs> Philip Rivers. Come on, guys. Okay. I'm... I'm no longer entertaining this conversation, really? but he would go second overall, I believe, now that I so, properly understand what we're talking about. I think I think that's probably right. Yeah. There's not a QB in the league that got screwed more in terms of just wonky injuries to his skill guys than Philip Rivers every single year. Antonio Gates, Keenan Allen, their starting running back, their tackles, like that dude played on some patchwork offenses and they were always more or less relevant. I know Peyton Manning dominated them, but I think we kind of forget 
Philip kicked Denver's ass up and down for about six straight years. You so. settle down. So, um, RIP <laughs> to Mar- RIP to Marty on that note because he was yeah, really for, a part sure. of a lot of those great teams. Um, okay. Well, since Henry's taking us down the crazy question road, um, no, never mind. I had one. So I, uh, and I forgot. We're going to get into our listener question. Oh, no, here it is. Here it is. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson, if the trade package you are giving up is the exact same, you're all with me and you would take uh, the most recent Tigers quarterback, I assume? Yeah, I mean, just from a contract perspective and building your team, I mean, what gives your team the best chance to win over the next five years? I think investing in Lawrence makes more sense, but in terms of if you want to win a Super Bowl next year, I guess, I mean, Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I, I do. I do think it depends on the situation. Um, you know, if you do Broncos have, current situation, Broncos current situation, you're yeah. taking Trevor Lawrence by a mile. I, yeah, I, as much as I hate to say it, like the truth is like, that's just not a roster that is ready to compete right now. Absolutely. Give me a couple of years. Whereas, you know, if you're, the Saints, which is a terrible example because they're in such cap hell that yeah. I don't even know who they'd have to get rid of to make Deshaun Watson work. If you're a competitor, then I could see you say, let's go get Deshaun Watson and go win a Super Bowl this year. I agree just from the contract and team building standpoint. But if Deshaun Watson was an incoming rookie along with Trevor Lawrence, it'd be really tough for me because it's kind of like the Justin Fields thing, man. I mean... He's got all the talent in the world. He's got the athletic ability too. I mean, not to say Trevor isn't athletic, obviously, but we've seen what Watson could be. He's special. Was the Watson hype quite this high like Trevor Lawrence? I mean, I know people no. thought he would be good, but no. people weren't people talking about Deshaun Watson like he was going to be a once-in-a-generation type quarterback. No. People, were people didn't even think Watson. he'd be good. Yeah, yeah, there was some mocks didn't have him in the first round. Well, I did that's a, not smart. I did a radio hit and had to defend mocking him at three overall. Um, but it, it nice was flex. Sur- Suck it, was it radio guys. <laughs> yeah, SB Nation Radio. Shouts to them. Um, it it was a surprise him going as high as he did. That's what I thought. I mean, it's been a couple of years, but that final season um turned some people off. Lots of picks didn't always show his best stuff until that final game against Alabama, where people were like, "Whoa!" I was gonna um, say uh, that that was all yeah. I needed to see. <laughs> I mean, two games. I'll never forget that game. That dude, thousand yards. Yeah, no. That was just a weird draft class. So that was the Mahomes draft class too. I mean, very weird. Solomon Thomas and uh, Trubisky go two or three. Yeah, yeah. Most transcendent talent of uh, this entire generation slips all the way to ten. I gave the. Are we done on Trubisky? By the way, is are we a hundred percent out on him after what we saw last season? I mean, there were there were some flashes there that maybe. Maybe in the right system, maybe. If not for Ryan Tannehill, I would be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's a Ryan Tannehill they, candidate. Yeah, if the Broncos go and get Mitchell Trubisky, that I wouldn't would be hate a that. very sad day for me personally. Although I don't think it's over for him, I really do not want the Broncos to be the one that takes the shot. Yeah, I agree. Are um, we at the same spot with Wentz, too? Uh, I'd rather <laughs> get Trubisky than Wentz at this point. That Wentz pill comes with a massive contract, so forget that. Unless I'm well, that's the big difference. Is you could you could probably sign Trubisky for, you know, like a relatively average quarterback deal. Yeah, but still kind of top dollar for a backup. 
Yeah, that's the tough part. Is I you hate that. You kind of like, have to commit to him. Like I'm taking advantage of the fact that I only have to pay a rookie salary to my quarterback, but now I'm going to overpay for my backup and like I get yeah, mess with some of those margins. All of a sudden, I it feels like I've I've screwed up the advantage I once had. Because if it's like if it's like 10, 12 million bucks, I mean that's that's what the Broncos saved by cutting AJ Boye this morning. You know, they saved that twelve million dollars. And if you look at like any team in the league, I feel like my take would be instead of getting a $12 million backup quarterback, use that money on AJ Boye, whether you have a secondary or not, you will be better off because of it. But those are our opinions. Justin, you know, George Payton, we've talked about his record shows. He does believe, uh, you know, maybe overpaying for a backup as we saw in that Sam Bradford. He's done it multiple times. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. So, Lots to consider. Um, our question from Ooh Benny Lava. Hey guys, just wanted to ask you your opinions on Jalen Phillips out of Miami. He's been getting more and more draft buzz from what I've been reading, and gotta say, after watching some tape, I'd love him in Denver. Dude's got a great motor and a stout at the point of attack. And I think after learn uh, after learning from Miller, if he stays with the team, he could be an impact player in this league. Chances are he doesn't fall to our second pick. So ideally, if we target him, we trade back to do so. What do you think of a scenario where we trade back to 19 with Washington and get Phillips there? Is that good value? Also, here are some hypotheticals with our top first three picks. Which would you all prefer? One certain, two Roche, three Trey Sermon, or GR Russo, Dylan Radunes, Hufanga, or... Darisaw, Chaz Surratt, Paulson, Adibo. Much love, y'all. I know which one I'd like. Me too. What was the first one? It, that's the one I'd like. It's Sertain, Roche, Trey Sermon. Um, I'm assuming, Andre, you like the Darisaw one? I do. <laughs> yes, yeah. very good. That's full with Russo, right? Sorry, I'm really bad at remembering. No, the Russo one's the third one. Russo, Raduns, and Hufanga. Hufanga. That one I kind of liked, too. Mm-hmm. That one has your name written all over it, Hank. I know, it does. Yeah, and I have a hard time passing on Roche in yep. that first one. Um, but boy, to still get Paulson Adibo and get Chaz Surratt, sign me up. Um, I don't know if I love the trading down for Jalen Phillips. There are other targets. This is an edge rush class where... It, unless Russo or Parsons are available with the top 15 pick, I'm really big on trying to take advantage of the edge depth. Uh, whether that's Roche, whether that is Phillips, whether that Jason Owe or Jordan Smith or Patrick Jones, there's just an infinite amount of options. Ellerson Smith, um, Agundeje out of Notre Dame. There are really a lot, a lot of options to where I think I could still find some very good, talented edge rushers come day two. So, yeah, um, I would wait on that. Uh, which of those three scenarios did you prefer, Justin? Did you give us yours? Uh, I, I tend to lean the one with uh, with Surratt just because I think they add, you add the most. Yeah. Yeah. value there in terms of the three position groups but yeah i mean i i could really talk myself into any of those scenarios i don't mm -hmm. love trading down either especially because i think you can 
after releasing Bouye, if you get a guy like Sertain at nine and then you yeah. can take advantage in the second round, maybe a guy like Roche falls to you depending on, you know, I know his uh, his draft status seems to be very controversial at this point. Some people have him as like one of the top edge rushers. I know McShay had him as like his 13th best edge rusher or something like yeah. that. So <laughs> I guess we'll see where he falls to. But I, I don't love trading down, but I do like Jalen Phillips. I know it's a small sample size with him, but that's a dude when you put him on, he's just a handful. He obviously already has the frame, 6'5", 265. I mean, that's just kind of something you can't teach. So I, I'm intrigued by it, but I just don't love the prospects of trading down. Yeah. Um, I would say that I would like to trade down um, for Jalen Phillips. And I get that it's a deep edge rusher class, but I also think that because it's so deep, maybe a guy like Jalen Phillips doesn't get valued the way he should because there is so much depth. Um, when you look at edge rushers, it feels like most of the time they either have the raw tools or the production Jalen Phillips is one of the few guys who has both of those things. Um, like at six foot five, like 270 pounds or whatever it is. Like he was the number one rated recruit in his class out of high school. He obviously has the pedigree to be a very good football player. On top of that, uh, he uh, played 10 games with Miami. He had 15 and a half tackles for loss, eight sacks, a pick, three pass breakups. When you have that combination of production and the the pedigree that he has i i feel like that's a good option if, if you can pick up some picks replace vaughn with him probably and take an all-american because he, he wasn't all-american um and just a quick note the the reason why i picked the scenario i picked was uh for a similar reason to this um just because i i think that chaz surratt might be getting a little bit too much love because like I, I get the appeal and I do really like him. There's a lot of linebackers that I'm starting to really like. Um, but for somebody who is as raw and needs to add a couple more pieces, which I, I think that he can probably do when you have guys like Dylan Moses and Jabril Cox and Monty Rice. And, you know, in the first round, if you want to like JOK or even like Nick Bolton's even called, there's, there's a bunch of guys at that position that I like. And Chad Surratt just isn't necessarily at the top of my list. You trade up to what to take Phillips then? You trade up to you'd trade down to 19 to 19. take him. If if yeah. he's there at 19, yeah. I would I think I'd be happy with a trade down and Phillips at 19. I mean it depends on, you know, you have it depends to. on what you're adding in that scenario. Is it an early second round pick? Is it a late yeah. first round pick, you know? Yep. And uh, you're assuming you're losing Vaughn too probably. Although yeah, that's... You, know, you could justify it if Vaughn's still around, but I don't like it as much. No, that's Vaughn and Jarrell Casey are going to be interesting to like how this entire draft decision goes because that's a like 29 million or something between the two of them. Exactly. Yeah. If Miller, it all comes down to Vaughn staying or going. This would be, if this did happen though, this would be a situation where it's like, I like the player, but I kind of hate the pick, honestly, because I don't know if this is really something that Denver actually needs at this point. Obviously, if Vaughn leaves, then yeah, they would need an edge. But I just think that there's so many other holes, especially in the secondary. You talk about quarterback, I mean, tackle potentially too, that I just don't know if edge is really where they should be going in the first round. Kind of feels like the Bradley Chubb situation again. And yeah, it'd be great. It'd be phenomenal. Does it actually make Denver closer to a contender though? I don't think so. Top 20 to me seems rich in a class as loaded as that. 
we'll have a lot more to get into when we preview that edge rush class. Uh, thank you all for riding with us. We will be back next week. On behalf of Andre Simone, Jake Schwanitz, uh, Justin Michael, and Henry Chisholm, I bid you adieu.